brings. You know, and that's one of the things that brings stability is the body of Christ. You know, uh, we're, 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 you know, that's why the Bible says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves so much more as the day comes. Those of you that receive words today, you wouldn't have had that word if you didn't come. And, uh, and I'm not doing that to try to make a sale for church attendance or anything like that, but there's something about being present that um, allows the body to minister to each other. Because how many know that we, we, how many we all just minister to each other? Like everybody, like it's all morning. You know, it's not just me, it's, not, it's all of us together. And there's something special happens when we come together. And that's why it says as the day approaches, you know, we want to we endeavor to meet uh, because of the importance of that. But in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28, it says, Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. And so, you know, there's a lot of shaking that's going on in the world right now. And, but we have a kingdom and we have a, a stability within us that's greater than what's going on in the world around us. You know? And um, we want to be able to access that. We want to enjoy that. We want to have that stability in our lives. Have you ever had a time in your life where you, where you, where you tripped you know, and you, you had a misstep or you slipped? How I many you know it doesn't feel good to not be stable? Like it, when, you, when you're in a place of instability, it, it, it feels it's scary, actually. And um, what I am encouraging us to do as a body is to recognize that the kingdom of God on the inside of you, that's your stability. Don't let the political system be your stability. Don't let the price of groceries or the price of gas be your stability. Don't let your emotions be your stability. Can I get an amen on that? You have to understand that, man. And I, I see it all the time. I, me and Brian talk about it all the time. But like your emotions, man, are up and down. And, and you know, Brian's got this cool watch. If you have it on today? Yeah, that... Well, he did. Yeah, that's right. He has a billion cool watches. But that specific watch is. Um, what, t- tell us about it real quick. Well, it's just a chain. Oh, not the, the other one. The, 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 it, not this one. I have another one that's a. That's a uh, it mimics the instrument gauge of a T51 Mustang. World War II era. World War II fighter from. A fighter from World War II. Yes. And so what it is is, and you guys have heard me share this analogy all the time, but. I mean, you know, when you're, when you're flying a plane, um, when someone is flying a plane, they can do something called sight flying, and that's when it's a beautiful day, and you just fly through sight. But then there are times when you can't see, and there are clouds, and there are storms, and they do instrument flying. And instrument flying is more accurate than sight flying. And there's going to be times in your life when you can't fly according to the way you feel. Because, you know, you're, you're going to have a, uh, you're gonna, your, your feelings are up and down. Uh, that's a part of the... I mean, the enemy can't attack your spirit. He does not have the ability to attack your spirit, but the enemy can try to bring an attack against your emotions and against your thoughts, and there's going to be times in your life where you're going to have to fly with the instruments, and I'm talking about the scriptures. I'm talking about the Word of God. Because how many know you're going to have times in your life when you feel like nobody likes you? And I'm here to tell you right now that that's not true. That's not true. But there are going to be times in your life when you feel that way, and that's the enemy coming in trying to bring a sense of rejection and um, I've experienced it myself many times. How I many of you can experience it trying to come into church? Yeah. That's one of the things the enemy will try to do. See, look, nobody likes you, whatever. Nobody's talking to you, whatever. And what that is, is that's, that's the enemy trying to come in and mess with your emotions. And how I many of you know it's at that stage in the game where you've got to, like, like Brian wears that watch to remind himself it, fly according to the instruments, fly according to the truth. How I many of you know if you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're right with God whether you feel like it or not? How many know that the Father loves you whether you feel like it or not? How many know you're accepted in the beloved whether you feel like it or not? How many know you have value whether you feel like it or not? And, uh, you know, because of the state of the world and the things that are happening, 
not only are things, there's a lot of shaking that's going on in terms of actual shaking, you know, you know, with the, you know, all the things that are happening, gas prices politically, blah, 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 et cetera, wars, rumors of wars. But how I many you know that shaking also produces a shaking in the soul? And so people's emotions are crazy. And um, you, can, you can feel emotions. You ever walk into a room right after somebody got in an argument? I mean, you know they got in an argument. Don't nobody got to say nothing. You know why? Because you can feel it. Because the, 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 we are spirit, soul, and body, and you can feel these things. And so there's things, there, a part of this shaking is there's emotional shaking, there's thought shaking that's going on. And I just want to encourage you in the day, but you have truth, and it's the scriptures, it's the word of God. Fly according to truth. And you're going to have days when you feel amazing, and you're going to have days when you don't. Right? Like last Sunday, we had a real, we had a powerful praise and worship service. And this Sunday, we had to fight, we had to fight some. And, um, and not saying that the worship service wasn't great, because it was a great worship service, but we, we had to, there was a battle that was going on. And uh, some of you may be aware of it, some of you may not be aware of it. And that's one of the reasons that I wanted to call people forward and because, like, we all come together and we stand against the personal battle that the individual is facing. I mean, you know, when you receive a prophetic word, it's there to encourage you and to comfort you and to build you up and to strengthen you to get through the battle, man. You know, because you, especially when you hear God speak to you, uh, it's something that bears witness with you. You know God knows where you're coming from. You know God knows where you're at. And so I say all these things to say, I mean, you know, we're in a war, guys. I mean, we're in a war, and it's a battlefield. And I know Jesus won 2,000 years ago on the cross. I mean, in the, in the war itself is over, but there are battles for your souls. There are battles for your family, battles for your kids, battles for your, your peace of mind and for this joy that I'm talking about. Man, I'm telling you what, man, it, it, the body of Christ gets operating in this kingdom joy. Um, a lot's going to be done. Um, and, and not only that, how many of you know your life's going to be better? When you are operating in the joy of the Lord, you're going to be happier. And how many know when you have joy, you already have peace? Amen? See, the, the way God's been showing it to me, it's kind of like a, a, a build. Righteousness is your foundation. You understand that you're right with God. And then on top of that, God, okay, how many know the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy? On top of that, there's, there's peace. How many know there's peace when you know that you're right with God? But then on the very top of that, what kind of flowers out is joy. And so the enemy's always trying to shake this foundation of whether you're right with God or not to affect your peace. How I many know if you don't have peace, you definitely don't have joy? It's just kind of how it works, right? And so, but we're building something, or the kingdom is within us, and we want to access this, this, this top part. I want joy. Can I get an amen? And, and uh, it's going to be good for you, and it's also going to be good for those around you, and it's going to make you strong, you know? And... Um, and so anyway, so all of those things are happening. All of those things are going on. And so we have a kingdom. We're looking how to access that kingdom. And then uh, the next thing we've, we've looked at is, you know, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. You guys have to turn here. I'm, I'm just going to do some review here, bring us all on the same page. Uh, Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so how many of God's will is happening in heaven? No sickness, no disease, no poverty, no lack, no sadness, no depression, Right? And so Jesus told us to pray. Pray, pray. This is why we pray. Because we want God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the kingdom. I mean, when Jesus walked the earth, the kingdom was advancing. I mean, where Jesus was, devils couldn't run their mouth. 
Where Jesus was, I mean, Jesus broke lack in half, right? With, with the fish and the loaves, right? I mean, people couldn't stay dead around Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was the representative of the kingdom and that he gave authority to his disciples and he gave authority to 70 and they walked around and they advanced the kingdom. How many of God wants to do the same thing in our lives? And he even said the greater works than what he did that we would do. Can I get an amen? And so we want to access the kingdom. We want to operate in the kingdom. And we've been looking at that the past few weeks. But then last, last Sunday, we started taking a look at this aspect of the kingdom, which I've already been talking about. But Romans 14 and verse 17 is, The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. One-third of the kingdom is joy. One-third of the kingdom is joy. One-third of the kingdom is joy. I talk a whole lot about righteousness. I talk a whole lot about peace. But I haven't talked so much about joy. And God is really highlighting this, um, that, that there's going to be a joy that's, that's released in the body of Christ. And um, is it hot in here? It's, it's just me. Can I get a fan? Can I get a little bit of fan pretty please? If it's just me, it's okay. Just making sure it's not hot. But the heater's doing its job. We got a new heater. Praise God. Dan, we got a new heater. Yeah, we got a new heater. Got installed just the other day. So everybody say thank you, Dan. Dan has been on me for probably two years to get a, to get a new furnace for the church. And uh, we're grateful for that. Thank you, Dan. And thank you to everybody that gives into our church because we can, we, we can buy this heater without trying to make y'all give in order for us to buy the heater. Can I get an amen? Isn't it nice to not be pressured and, and, you know, uh, and all that type of stuff? No, we just bought the heater. Amen? No, 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 no. No, it's okay. That, that, that would be unfair to everybody else. I will be okay, Jeremiah. I'll be all right. Amen? Thank you. The fan is enough. But anyway, we have a new heater. So anyway, and it's clearly doing its job. But we saw in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10, it says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And we've been, how many know joy is strength? How many know everyone here, you probably need some more strength? And because, because I can't promise you that there's not going to be darkness in the world. I can't promise you there's not going to be gross darkness on the people. But what I can promise you is that the Lord's going to rise on you. And what I can promise you is that the Lord will strengthen you and make you stronger than what's going on around you. Can't get an amen. And, and I'll tell you what, and then another thing we looked at, how many know Jesus was joyful? The Bible says that Jesus, in Hebrews chapter 1, in verse 8, it says he was anointed with the oil of gladness above his fellows. What does that mean? That means Jesus was the, most, was the happiest person in the room. And it's funny, when I say that, that everyone's just like, ah. But, but it's what the Scripture says. He was a man of sorrows on the cross. On the cross, I mean, on the Garden of Gethsemane, he, he, he entered into a place of sorrow. How I many on the cross he was the man of sorrows? How I many know that was a part of his redemption for us? Jesus was joyful. His nature is joyful. Then we looked at how I many know one of the fruits of the Spirit is what? Joy. So that means that joy is a part of your character. Joy is a part of your new nature. So you're not, and once again, and I want to be very careful not to let legalism come in here. I'm not asking you to try really hard to be happy. I'm not asking you to fake it till you make it. I'm not asking you to force yourself into a place of happiness. No, no, no. What I'm talking about is supernatural, and it, it's a spiritual force, and it's not something that, that, that you drum up and make happen. Okay? So don't, don't let the enemy... Because you know what will happen? The enemy will condemn you for not being happy. 
He'd be like, look at you, Jeremiah preaching on joy, and you think life sucks right now. What's wrong with you? And so there you are, like you, you being condemned. How many of the enemy have tried to turn anything in condemnation? So we go, we're not going to let him do it. Don't get in self-effort, and don't try really hard here. Just understand this joy is something that you already have in your born-again spirit, okay? It's the nature of Jesus. And, and God wants to, like you were, like uh, Shara was, was, was sharing earlier when she was giving a word, how many of God wants to be unleashed into the world that we're living in? He wants to be unleashed. And, and what, I'm, what I'm seeing in my own personal life as I preach this, I'm seeing pockets of this happening. Like the other night, how many of it's getting dark early? You know what I'm saying? And there you are, it's dark, and we were sitting in our house, and we're like, bless, you know, and I live in Versailles, so we don't have anything to do. You know what I'm saying? Like nothing. So what do you do in Versailles? Well, you just go Kroger, because <laughs> that's what you got. You know what I'm saying? You got Kroger, man. And so like my wife and I, we just decided, hey, let's just go to Kroger, and let's get some ice cream, right? And so we went to Kroger, but like we went to Kroger in the joy of the Lord. And we ran around Kroger running and laughing and playing with the kids, and we had the best time ever. And like we kind of caused a ruckus with our joy because people were looking at us like, these people are happy. Like, don't they know that we're all supposed to be sad right now? Don't they know the cost of food and gas prices and politics and and wars and rumors of war, and we just like push pause on everything that was going on in the world, and we just, in a place of joy, just went out, even though it was, it was dark outside and cold, we went out and accessed that joy and did it in the public arena, and we had a blast just going to Kroger. How many know that, that it's not so much what you're doing, it's how you're doing it? And I'm telling you right now, and, and I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but there's a place in God where you can live your life in joy. And I'm not saying I've arrived, but I'm saying I'm looking, I'm, 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 I'm studying it, and I want it. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of where I'm at, you know, and that's one of the things I was getting during worship. I mean, we are to seek, we are to knock, we are to ask. I mean, you are the aggressor in the kingdom. God's already done everything. It's all right here for you. You just got, you just take it. I mean, that, and that's a really important thing because in the body of Christ, we, we've been presented with this sorrowful sense of passivity where we're just waiting on God to do something, and it's just not like that. That's not how the kingdom operates. God did everything and gave it all to you. You do it. And I'm not saying that to bring any sense of performance or condemnation, but like Jesus is sitting down. Like, you know, a lot of, a lot of the things that, that we, like we're praying for God to come down, and you, know, you address that during your thing, we're praying for God to move and we're praying for God to die. And it's like, God's like, I'm sitting down. <laughs> like I moved. <laughs> it's your move. I've given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. You know? And, 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 and it's time for us to be the aggressor. It's time for us to, to, to move forward and take. And so anyway, so we, you know, we, as a family, we went in there and we, in a place of joy, just really kind of turned Kroger upside down for a little bit. And it was fantastic, and we had a great time. Now, I'm not saying my whole week looked like that last week, because it didn't. I had good days and I had bad days. Last night, I slept awful. I didn't get hardly any sleep last night. And so I'm not up here saying, like, I've been studying joy, and I am joyful all the time. <laughs> what's, 
what is wrong with you? Can't you get on board with the joy train? I'm not saying that. I'm saying that I, did, we, I have accessed it. I've been in and out, right? But I know that I don't have to ever be out. But I, have to, I want to learn how to stay in. And this is something that we have. This is a promise for us, and I want it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want it. And so anyway, and so we can, it's ours, amen? So anyway, so your nature is joy. But then we also saw that there were times when you could be filled with joy afresh and anew. And, and I'll read this to you real quick. Romans 15 and verse 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that we're, there's, a, there's something called a fresh fill, a fresh filling of God's Spirit? So you can also be filled with joy. How I many that's a part of what we do in worship? That's a part of what we did when we pray for each other. You get a fresh feeling. So your nature is joy, but God also wants to pour joy out in you as well. Can I get an amen? These are, these are some of the dynamics that we have. And then it says, and the disciples were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. And so anyway, and so, you know, and one of the, another thing we looked at is I think we've been in a state of mourning in the body of Christ. I think people have been in a state of mourning over the direction of, of, of just our culture and the things that are going on in the world, and there's like this sense of mourning that, you know, the world that we grew up in is not here anymore. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just not. Like, the, 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 the values of this current society are not the values that I grew up in, and I grew up heathen. You know what I'm saying? I didn't grow up in the church. And, and, we, and we had a, a better grasp of morality as heathen heathen, heathen, whatever, you know, as unsaved people. And, and so, you know, you look at what's going on in the world, it's like, oh, man. And, and so what it can do is it can bring you into a state of mourning and a state of loss. And, and I feel like that, it, that we need to stop. Act, that needs to stop. You know, it says, Isaiah 61, verse 3, it says, to comfort those who mourn in Zion. I mean, the church has been in mourning. And, and God's saying, like, I mean, you know, the sorrow, sorrow's not your strength. How I many of you know, sorrow's not your nature? How I many of you know, sorrow's not your calling? Sorrow may come and, you know, I mean, sorrow and may endure for a night. Sorrow may endure for a season, but there's joy in the morning. And the reason there's joy in the morning is like, God, you're, you're, you're called to live joyfully. Like, that's your state of being. That's your, that's your, um, that's who, that's who we are. Can you get an amen? How I many you know, in heaven, they're not sorrowful. They're not sad in heaven. And, you know, we looked at, you know, when the enemy does all his plans and all of these types of things and the heathen rage, and how many of you know he that sits in the heavens laughs? God's not concerned. God's not afraid. And we shouldn't be either. And so I feel like there's a transition to comfort those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. How many, how many of us time to transition? Let's, tra- let's have a transition out of mourning into joy. And let's not let our joy and our happiness be based upon what we see happening in our nation, what we see happening around us. And I'm not saying we're tone deaf. I'm not saying we, 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 we stick our head in a, you know, in a bucket of sand. But what I am saying is like, I don't need this world to line up for me to line up with heaven. I'm going to line with heaven and let the world around me be changed. If they want to change, let them change. If they don't, so oh well. 
You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I, I just, I feel like there's this place oh, where we, we, we're king's kids, man. And we have a boldness upon us. And I, I just don't want to apologize for the gospel. And I don't want to feel bad about being a believer. Like, oh, you don't believe? I'm sorry you don't believe. That's, that's unfortunate for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, not, not oh, well, please believe. And, no, forget all that. You, know, you understand what I'm saying? Like, we, 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 we like, I'm sorry you don't believe. But like, I'm not, and I'm not saying be callous. I'm not saying not be loving. But I'm saying like, I don't need them to believe for me to know that it's true. And I don't, and, and I don't, and I'm not, once it, but, and here's the thing. When you stop being subservient and fearful and cowing down to the spirit of this world, what you have becomes attractive, and then they start to want what you have rather than thinking that it's some weak thing that's barely held together with, a, with, a, with, with string. Everybody understand what I'm saying? And so like, there's this, there's this transition of like, I'm going to be joyful, and I'm going to access the kingdom and enjoy what God has and let the world around me change. And if it don't change, my joy is not based on that. How many know, my, and how many know your joy can't be based on a person? You cannot, if somebody, this is important, if someone controls you with their emotions, that's called witchcraft. It's not your job to be somebody's happiness. And if they're going to use their emotions to control you, that is witchcraft. And that's a whole lot more witchcraft than any cauldron or hat. Come on, brother. That's witchcraft. Yes, sir. And, and uh, God don't want you controlled by somebody else's emotions. Amen. Listen, I grew up in a home filled with witchcraft. Not, in, not that we were burning incense and all that kind of stuff, but everything was controlled by my mom's emotions. And so, like, and so like if my mom was unhappy, then and it was all it was hell on earth for all of for well for me because there was just me. <laughs> Wasn't all of us is just me. So I spent my whole life being manipulated and controlled by my mom. And you know what it did? It taught me how to manipulate and control people with my emotions. And 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 I've been learning how to not be that way. Because I mean, you know, you 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 shouldn't be able. I mean, that's what children do. Children don't know how to express themselves, so they throw a fit. As a grown man, I should not be able, I should not throw a fit to get my way. Now, I have thrown many fits. And the way a man throws a fit is different than the way a woman throws a fit, or at least for me. You know, it's just, and I'm not going to dive into all that, but I started to, and God's like, you want to live today, don't you? <laughs> yes, Lord. <laughs> but toddlers do that, right? How I many know we want to mature out of that? We want to not operate. We don't want to be controlled, and we also don't want to control. And I have learned over the course of time how to get free from that to where I don't bring that into my marriage. Because my wife don't need that. But many of us, that's how we were raised. And, um, and so, once again, it's not your job to make, any, to make somebody happy. It's just not. And uh, we love people, and we want to do what we can for them, and we want to help them. But at the end of the day, I could be happy whether you're happy or not. 
And here's the thing, if I, and here's the reality, you're actually doing somebody, you're helping somebody else out more by you staying in the joy of the Lord when they're not. It really is, man. And, and my, my home is ran better when I'm joyful. When I'm under condemnation, my home is not the same place. Like when I'm, when I'm dealing with stuff like that, it's not the same. And so the best thing I can do for my house is to stay in the joy of the Lord. Now listen, you're going to, you know, from my experience, you're going to have days when you're hitting it and days that you're not. So don't, once again, don't get in performance. Well, I'm not joyful today. Dag on it, you know, and, and <laughs> don't, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't let no pressure come. How many know there's a net below you that's so big that you can't miss it? How many know when you slip up and fall, God's right there to, pick, to grab you and pick you back up and set you back on your feet 24 hours a day, seven days a week? How many know, if, how many know God will, 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 will love you and let you safely fail? See, you ain't free until you're free to fail. And when you understand how much God loves you and how powerful the cross was, you're free to fail. And it keeps you from failing so much because you're not in this performance trap. Amen? Anyway, and so transitioning out of mourning and into a place of joy. Now, the thing I really want to talk about today, and as I begin to study this, I was actually astounded by some of the things that I began to study. So we're going to take a look at some Greek today. Praise God. And uh, I got my chalkboard out, so Hallelujah. Be at peace. I didn't actually write on it. My wife did, so you can read it. Um, hopefully, that's in the screenshot. Karen, is that in the screenshot? I don't know. If not, I could put it up on something. I need to put it on a chair. All right. So, we'll put this on a chair. <laughs> in Jesus' name. Okay. Well, we want to make it visible for our online community and make it visible for everybody. So we'll put it up here. But what I began to learn about all this really kind of surprised me. How I many of you can think you know something? And I mean, in reality, is there's so much more to know in God, always. Okay, that's cool. It's okay if you don't see me because you can hear me. I'll, I'll move around. But I just wanted to make sure I could get this in here. But what I began to realize is the relationship of joy and grace. And so, the Greek word for grace in the Strong's is 5485, and it's the word charis, right? And so we got this right here in the center. Can everybody see this? Okay. This is charis, and this is grace, and it's a noun. Okay? Now, what that word means is, and we talk a lot about grace, but grace is a big concept. And um, you can't, you have to define it a couple different ways. But the, the number one thing is that you don't earn it. You got to know, that's how it begins. How I many know no one can earn grace? If you earned grace, it wouldn't be grace. <laughs> it's unmerited, undeserved favor, right? That's how it begins, okay? You can't earn it. God's given it to you. It's a free gift. But so it starts that way, but then it doesn't stay that way. Then what happens is that same grace that's undeserved and unmerited, it becomes the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. What does that mean? I mean, oh, God wants to bless you unconditionally in an unmerited fashion, right? I keep saying that because you can't lose that part. 
Because if you lose that part, you'll try to earn something that's free. And if you try to earn something that's free, you'll mess the whole thing up. It's grace and faith together. You can't, there can't be just grace and there can't be just faith. You've got to have them both. Grace is what God does for you, right? Faith is you receiving it. It's so simple. We've made it so complicated. We got grace people. We got faith people. That's dumb. There's no such thing as a grace person or a faith person. There are believers. Okay, get an amen. You've got to tear down those walls, man. So grace and faith work together. They're not antagonistic to each other. They're not enemies. But number one, God, does, God is the one who tips the domino first. God blesses you first. Can I get an amen? Yep. I was drug addict, alcoholic, atheist. I had nothing to give anyone. I brought destruction everywhere I went, and God in His grace came and saved me and gave me a gift to preach that I did not earn and I did not deserve. Right? And I'm operating out of that grace gift right now. Amen? And so it starts out as unmerited and undeserved favor, but then it becomes the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in life. How many you know grace? How many you know there's grace to do everything? God will empower you. God will empower. How many you know God will empower you to live a life free from sin? The Bible says in Titus that the grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness. Grace is actually the only thing that can set you free from the dominion of sin, according to Romans chapter 6 and verse 14. There's no such thing as greasy grace. That's just something that somebody made up. It's not in the book. When you really re- understand grace and God's forgiveness, it will actually empower you. I got Listen, I got set free from a lot of things that I wasn't set free from in legalism. I was free from drugs when I was in legalism, but I was not fit, set free from pornography. I still struggle with pornography when I was in legalism. But you know what? Now that I've heard the grace of God, I've been free from pornography for a long time. You know how wonderful that is? I can't even convey to you how the quality that that's brought into my life. Like, I don't need that stuff anymore. And you know what it does? It, you know, it's made my marriage about a million times better. And you know what it's done? It's made the way I see women a million times better. Because, man, pornography, it, 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 it absolutely dehumanizes people. And, and, it, and, it, and, it, ugh. and I'm just so grateful to be set free. But I didn't get set free thinking God was mad at me. I didn't get set free thinking God was ashamed of me. I didn't get set free thinking that I had to confess every single sin in order to be forgiven. I didn't get set free focused on me. I got set free being focused on Jesus Christ and understanding that I'm forgiven and I'm loved even while I'm sinning. You don't get free until you know that. He don't leave. He never leaves. He's right there the whole time. And you know what he's saying to you? I love you. And you're better than this. And that's how you get free. Because, boy, once you realize that you have this eternal forgiveness, all of a sudden, man, it's like the desire for those things just drops off my life. It's so cool, man. I mean, like, it it doesn't make a lot of logical sense. Because logically, you think you got to try harder and all that type of stuff. But, I mean, you know, God's kingdom is supernatural anyway. So anyway... Grace comes, and it is unmerited and undeserved. It's divine influence upon the heart and the reflection in the life. And it, it is God's kindness and God's goodness towards you, but also God, it's also God's ability flowing through your life. How many of you know God will, how many of you know grace to be a husband? How many of you know grace to be a wife? Grace to be a father? Grace to be a minister? Grace. Grace for sports. Grace for everything. Like, God literally said, I will live my life through you. Oh, that's the best news in the world. I love it. So that's grace. We could spend all day talking about it, but we're not. 
But here's the thing. Joy is a cognate, that's a linguistic term, of grace. What does that mean? It means they have the same root. Here's the thing. There is no, this is really important. There's no such thing as biblical joy without grace. This joy that I'm talking about is a direct result of understanding grace. Because it's kara, karis. Kara, karis. This joy that I'm talking about comes out of grace. And I'll, I'll read you a few things here. And then, well, and I'll, get to the la- I'll get to this verb here in just a second. But let me read you. Now, this excites me but for a couple different things. Number one, you know what that means? That means that you don't have to produce this joy. You don't have to make this happen. You just have to understand that you're under grace, really. And... When you understand, because this joy is a result of understanding the grace of God. Let me take it a step further here. Now, now I'm going to read you Kara, which is joy. Strong's number 5479. It's a noun. It means joy, delight, gladness. This is how it is defined. It, and this is how it's literally this is how it's defined. The awareness of God's grace. That's how this joy is defined. The awareness of God's grace. Take it a step further. Grace recognized. Rejoice because of grace. So you can't separate biblical joy from the grace of God. The grace of God births biblical joy. And biblical joy is a spiritual force. How many know, and what we'll probably get, we'll look at this as we get going, but how many know you can have joy in tribulation? How many know you can have joy in trials? In fact, if you look at the early church, Joy was unleashed during their times of greatest trial. And they would get persecuted and something would happen and they would receive a fresh wave of the joy of the Lord. How I many you know after Paul and Silas were, you know, were, were, were went through what they went through and were beaten and put in jail, how I many all they sang? And then when they let, and how I many all supernatural things happened and an earthquake happened in the and the prison doors open up. And how many know they went jumping and leaping and skipping out of that place, thanking God they were worthy to endure persecution for His namesake? Now, I know that doesn't sound that exciting. But, what, but the reason I say that is what I want you to understand is there's a supernatural joy that you can tap into that's not based on your circumstances. Amen. And so this, it's a cognate, which I told you that a second ago, and I'm going to read you the definition of cognate because that's not a word that I'd use in my everyday life, but it's a linguistic terms. Having the same linguistic derivation as another from the same original word or root. And so what I'm saying is grace and joy are connected, and they can't be separated. Once he, this, is, this is a Greek scholar. This is how he described his name's Rick Renner. Some of you guys may have heard of him. He's a famous Greek scholar. But he says, The Greek translation of joy is kara, derived from charis, which is grace, which is a Greek word for grace. This is important to note that it tells us categorically that kara, joy, is produced by charis, 
by the charis of God. I know I'm saying the same thing over and over again, but I just want you to understand that this joy comes out of grace. And, and um, honestly, I didn't really know that, know that, like I'm knowing it now. I was a little surprised. And as I began to study it, I started realizing that a product of understanding that you're forgiven, that you're loved, that you've already been blessed, that all your sins and lawless deeds are no longer remembered, all the things that the cross has produced in your life, when you're aware of it, it produces joy. And that's why when somebody first gets saved, what do you see on those people's lives? Joy. Because they're aware of it. But how many of many of us have been taught out of the place of grace? And so we're not aware of it. That's what happened to me. I started in grace. You can't start any other way, but then you get taught out of it. You, ta- you get taught all the things you got to do to get what you already got when you got born again. Oh, well, now, you know, you're going to have to tithe in order to stay blessed. Yeah, well, now you're going to have to, you know, you know, tell people about Jesus and bring people to church, and you're going to have to make sure you don't do anything wrong and not say any curse words. You're going to have to, 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 you're going to have to. Hallelujah. Who saves who? Does Jesus save us or do we save ourselves? If your tithe is the reason the curse is removed from you, then your money's bigger than the cross. Come on for reach. Yes, sir. Now, I'm not anti-tithing. I tithe. I don't teach it a lot in this church. I feel led to tithe. I tithe. Sometimes I give it to the church. Sometimes I give it to somebody else. <laughs> I do. Sometimes I take that, I set aside 10%, and that's what I feel led to do. You may not feel led to do that. So don't do what, don't do what you feel led to do. How much between you and God? But then sometimes I'll give it into the church, and some, a, lot, a lot of times I'll give it in church, but a lot sometimes God will be like, give it over here. Give it to somebody on Facebook. Give somebody has a need, whatever. But here's the thing. That 10% of money is not what keeps the curse off of me. The cross. Jesus became a curse for us to redeem us from the curse of the law. Malachi chapter 3 was written to people who were not saved. Boy, I didn't know I was going to go here. But here we are. You're not cursed if you don't give 10%. You're blessed because of Jesus. Can I get an amen? It's the truth, man. Study it out. You cannot find a New Testament example of someone falling under the curse because they don't give 10%. Now, I, I tithe. I, I, I feel like God has led me to tithe. God's given me a revelation of tithing. I do tithe. But I know that my... But the blessing of the Lord on my life is not based on my money. If that's the case, then God's favor is for sale. See, that, me preaching that right there makes so many people mad. I don't care, though. It's true. Like, it's the truth. Because these preachers, man, like, did the cross work or not? Got people scared to death. I mean, I hear stories of people during the pandemic, man. So scared that if they didn't send their tithe into their church that they were going to get COVID. What kind of God do you serve? Kind of mean? Oh, you didn't give me 10%? Well, you're getting sick. Does God receive that money? No, people receive that money. Now look, I'm 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 for giving. Please give. Give. You know? But you know what? I don't teach on giving that much in this church, and we're doing fantastic. Because we're preaching the gospel. 
And God's supplying our needs and God's sending in blessing. And I'm grateful for those things. And there's nothing wrong with teaching on giving. But if you teach on it from the standpoint that somebody's cursed, if they don't give 10%, there, there's no New Testament precedent for that. And if this is the first time you've heard that, you're probably completely freaked out right now. And that's okay, but go study it. Who took the curse for you? That, that $20 or the cross? You know what I'm saying? Like, man, gosh. I know, man. I mean, just don't, don't stir me up too much, please. <laughs> I, mean, I'm, I appreciate your passion, but I'm trying to chill. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to keep from tossing the temple tables. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. So, but, but I'm just saying, like, and, and, and here's the thing. I preached that for years, okay? I did. I preached it because that's what I thought was true. But you can't get in the Scriptures and prove it. I mean, you just can't. You can go to Malachi chapter 3 and you can preach it. But how many know Malachi chapter 3 was before the cross? I'm not saying you get rid of your Old Testament Bible, but like either you're under the New Covenant or you're not. If we're going to follow that, then let's follow the other stuff. You can't mix linen and cotton. If you mix, if anybody got on some underwear where you got linen and cotton, then you are a sinner. And we're going to, we're going to stone you out back. And uh, we've got some... <laughs> We've got, you know, we've got some animals that will kill for you, you know what I'm saying? And their blood will purge your sin of, you know. Or if you had bacon. I ate enough bacon. I ate enough bacon this week to, to curse the whole Jewish nation, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I did, man. So, like, I'm, and, and I'm not saying get rid of your Old Testament Bible, but, like, you're not under that covenant anymore. And if you're going to be under that covenant, be under it all the way. Because if you get under it all the way, you know what will happen? You'll despair, and you'll be led to Jesus, and Jesus will set you free. Because nobody could keep that stuff. So we can't do both. We can't pick and choose, right? I'm just here to tell you right now that Jesus became a curse for you. Amen. And you're blessed because of Jesus, right? Now, you, it's, it's good. How many, you want to be led by God in what you give, and you want to be a giver. And I mean, it's good to bless the place where you're fed. It's good for you. Amen? And I'm not anti those things, but I'm just telling you right now. Like, I've had people contact me because they're scared. Like, I can't tithe this week. And, you know, even people that give it. I'm just like, well, just don't. <laughs> Relax. Pay your bills. Don't feel like God's going to lift His hand of protection and love off of you if you don't send that money in here. Jesus is better than that. I mean, that sounds like the mafia. You know, like if we don't pay them, if we don't pay the mafia off, then you're gonna get, you're gonna get, God's gonna break your leg, dude. God's better than the mafia. Hey, I noticed you didn't give ten percent this week, so uh, me and the boys, we're gonna mess you up. You know, we're gonna get it back. What'd you say? To the mattresses. Yeah, I mean, God's better than that, man. Jesus was the cross was a success, man, and and I'm not saying that giving's not important because it is, but how many know it needs to be? You giving it and not somebody taking it from you. And if somebody's scaring you out of some money because you're scared that if you don't give that you're cursed, I would question whether you were giving anything. Sounds to me like you're being robbed. No, absolutely. So anyway, certainly didn't think we were going to go there this morning, but praise God. If you want to flow in prosperity, you've got to free the obligation. Yeah. 
It's a joy. I love giving now. Like, I really do. I love to give. I'm a giver. Like, I love... Giving is so much fun now. But back in the day, it was awful. It's like, man, I got to pay the church bill. You know? All right, I'm going to stop. <laughs> I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. So, we just have a little bit more time here, and we need to get back over to this. But that, it's a spot where I've been tremendously abused, so I'm passionate about it. I, was, I would dare say most of the body of Christ have been abused in this area. But God has blessed you. You're not trying to get blessed. You are blessed. Amen? God will lead you where to give and what to sow and all these things. He wants you to be a giver, but you're not going to go under the curse because the, there is no curse for you because Jesus took the curse for you. Amen? And so, anyway, now let's turn to Luke chapter 2, please. And we just got a couple more places, and I knew we'd just get as far as we could get and we would be done, but I want you to, I'm, there's a relationship between joy and grace. And so when we are in that place of grace, there's a, there's a joy that we can experience of the kingdom. That joy is going to be a strength to us. It's going to make our lives better. Um, I'm, a better, I'm a better parent when I'm joyful. Amen? I just am. I'm a better husband when I'm joyful. I'm a better minister when I'm joyful. You know? Um, I'm, a, I'm a better traffic person <laughs> when I'm joyful. Come on. Like, you know, I mean, you get these moments in traffic where you just ain't happy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and if I am basing my happiness and my peace on people's ability to drive good, then I will never be happy. Because people don't drive good. Yeah, yeah. So I've got to have something stronger than people's behavior around me to keep me joyful. And we have that in the kingdom. I need something stronger than the price of gas. I need something stronger than the price of groceries. I need something stronger than the political system. And we have it. It's the kingdom, and it's in us, and we already got it. But it's just accessing it and staying under grace. Because how I many know the moment that you transition into legalism, you're miserable? A, a, a fruit of, of being back under the law is being miserable. It's not a fruit. It's a dead work. If you're, and what are you talking about getting back under the law? I'm talking about getting under condemnation. I mean, you know, just because you go to a church that teaches the gospel and teaches grace and you've been learning this does not mean legalism can't come straight back into your life. I've been, I, I've been teaching this for over 10 years. I've written books on this. I preach all the time. I minister all the time. And I still have to stay out of legalism. And because and, and, a lot of times what happens is you're, you're under condemnation and you don't realize it. Just like being hungry and you don't realize it. If you are feeling, if you are joyless, and here's a real key point, obligated. This is, what we're, this is the path we're going on into the future. See, your life shouldn't be lived out of obligation. It should be lived out of desire. And that's one of the dynamics of, of grace and joy. And I see this all the time with, with my kids. Because like, as a dad, I know I need to spend time with my kids, Right? I know that's important. And also, I'm balancing time with my wife. I'm balancing time in ministry. How I many know everyone in here, you're balancing all kinds of time? And you probably don't ever feel like you have enough time. You know, maybe you do. I pray God that you do. But I, I personally just feel like I'm always having to shortchange somebody somewhere. And, um, and so, just being honest, can I be honest and transparent? And so, like, and there are times when it's like, I know I need to play with my kids. 
but like I have about 6,000 other things I need to do, right? But I know that I need to play with my kids. So I will play with my kids out of a place of obligation. I'm down here playing Legos. I ain't, I ain't wanting to play no Legos because I'm thinking about a bill I got to pay or something I got to do or whatever. So I'm down here. My heart's not in it at all. And there's no joy. And I'm putting my time in. You know, what, you know what's happening to me? I'm not in Kara. I'm not in Karis. I'm not in Grace. And so... But now, how how many know all I got to do is is switch something in my heart? Like, put a little switch in my motivation. And what was was drudgery can turn into a joy-filled Kroger trip. And the change is inside of me, not what I'm doing. And so I find myself when I'm feeling obligated, and I'm not saying there aren't things that we have obligations or we have disciplines. How many of you got to push through the way you feel? At times, like <clears throat> with fitness and stuff like that, most of the time I like to work out there. Sometimes I do not want to work out whatsoever, but I go ahead and do it because I know it's the right thing to do. And, there, and it's that way for different areas of our life. But there's a place in God where you're living out of the want to, out of the desire. And I know that if I, I can make that transition with my kids, all of a sudden now I'm enjoying them. How many know you can enjoy cooking dinner? Man, the amens were slow, but it's all right. How many know you can enjoy cleaning your house? (laughs) How many know you you can actually, if you have the right attitude, you can enjoy almost anything? Just hear me out, please, because I feel like we're on the the verge of uncovering a secret here to life, okay? I've been after this thing for a minute, but I'm understanding it better. You ever notice... When kids play, a lot of times, they're just working with a different attitude. What, 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 what do my kids love to do? We buy them lawnmowers so they can mow the yard. Not real ones, but like, you know, mowers. Or like, we get them hammers. And we get them just, and they love it. Or, and, and my daughter has a little kitchen that she plays in. In a state of play, they're in a state of joy, right? But if you come over and say, I want you to play with that kitchen set right now, and I want you to take those dishes and fake clean them and fake put them up and fake. How many know the moment you turn it into an obligation, the joy is sucked right out of it? And they're like, fine, I'll. And they're over there miserable. Because they've left joy, they've left the want to, they've left the grace of the moment, and they've entered into in an obligated state. How many know Jesus has an easy light yoke? Man, I want this for my life. I want it for your life. And, and the yoke of legalism is a heavy, burdensome thing. How many know serving God shouldn't be an obligation? Serving God should be a joy. Can I get an amen? And, and, and everyone in here, you've had times when you've served God from a place of obligation. But how many know you've also had times when you serve God from a place of joy and a place of want to? How many know giving's the same way? We were just talking about giving. How many know when you want to give, it's a lot of fun? 
But when you feel forced to give, it's not. I mean, you know, when you want to tell somebody about Jesus and witness to somebody, it's a lot of fun. When you want to pray for somebody, it's a lot of fun. The Bible says that when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. Ah, oh, gosh, I want this. And I think, I believe that there's a way in the kingdom where we can live out of our hearts, the divine influence of grace upon the heart, and we can live out of a place of want to. And we can live in a place of joy. And I'm not saying you're going to float through life like Mary Poppins and everything's going to be perfect. I'm not saying that. I never want to present that because you're going to have highs and lows. You're going to have ups and downs. But I think there is a joy that's there's a joy of life that's accessible to us in the kingdom where we can, we can live out of a place of strength. We can live out of a place of joy. We can live out of the place of want to. And so much of it has to do with how we look at what we're doing and the motivation behind it. So I found when I find myself slipping into obligation with my kids, i got to change something inside of me. And if I can make that switch and I can change the way I'm looking at it and look at it out of, oh, this is the key element, gratitude. Gratitude. I get to play with my kids. I get to play with them. See, and that is where the joy comes from is when you're under grace, how many know you're thankful? Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. That's the missing thing. When you are under grace, you're in a place of gratitude. How many know when you're in legalism, you're not thankful? You're prideful or you're condemned. When you're under legalism, you're like, I am better than everybody else. Everybody just be like me. And say, when, when you're in legalism and you're prideful, how many know you're going to lord over everybody? Hey, y'all need to do this, y'all need to do that, y'all need to do Because you're obligated, but for a moment of your life, you're feeling like you're meeting your obligations, so you think you're the head honcho. honcho. And you're going to just lord over everybody until you fail, and then you get condemned. Come on, guys. And here's the thing. You are the center, you're the central focus of all of that. You, I'm not supposed to be the center. You're not supposed to be the center. Jesus is the center. He's the middle. He's the, he's, the, he's the Savior. And when you're in a place of grace, how many know you're thankful? Because listen, you get to receive blessing that you do not earn and you do not deserve. You get what Jesus deserves. That's what the new covenant's all about. You get what Jesus deserves. How many know Jesus got what you deserved? If you'll allow that. I understand that he was paying the price for sin and he was dying death for us and all of these things. But on the cross, there was an exchange. He that knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. Under the new covenant, you get what... How I many know if we really understood that, our faith would rise up and we'd take everything that's ours, right? And we'd live in a state of gratitude. We live in a state of gratitude. And out of a place of being thankful, we're happy. That's why you see someone who almost dies and you see a fresh joy come into that person's life. Because they're like, I could have lost all this, but I didn't. Or you see somebody go through some type of harrowing event and they feel like they've gotten their life back. How many know there's a joy in those people's lives? Why? Because they're thankful. How I many know we can live out of that place of thanksgiving as we understand the grace of God? Can I get an amen? And, and this is the, 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 the final thought here that I'm going to lay out to you because uh, for, for sake of time. Because I'm not in a hurry here. I just want to get this. 
and I want to have it. I want to live it in my life. I'm not just up here preaching you to you something that I'm not. I don't want. I don't want to live. Like I'm not. I'm not here just gathering information. Like I want to live this Monday. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like this stuff works if we'll do it. Like if we'll jump in here and get in this stuff, right? I want the joy of the Lord in my life. Amen. And uh, I'll read you this: Luke chapter two and verse nine. We use this passage a lot in regards to Christmas. And how many of something can get cliche to you and you lose the effectiveness of what's actually being said? Same with the Lord's Prayer. We've been basing a lot of our teaching off the Lord's Prayer. It says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory, this, is, this is when the angel of the Lord came to the shepherds in the field. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you the gospel. That's what the good news here. I bring you good news, the gospel, that will cause great joy for all people. The centerpiece of the joy of God is the good news about what Jesus did on the cross. And there's this joy that the gospel unleashes. I've experienced it a little bit in my life. Years ago, I was in a church that taught the righteousness which is of faith. And there was a season where it was taught so strong that there was a joy that was unleashed in that ministry. Now, enemy came in there and ransacked that and turned it into something else. But there was a season where there was a tremendous amount of joy by understanding the gospel, really, that we were right with God by faith. There were other elements we didn't understand, but we understood that element. And the church became a place of celebration and joy. There's a tremendous amount of faith in that as well. And, and so there's a joy that, that God has in His gospel, in His grace, that we want in our lives. I mean, you're going to be... A, a, just a better human in the joy of the Lord. Amen? You are, and I am too. And, 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 and then if you look at this final piece here, and we'll probably leave this here and continue to teach on it, but caro is a verb, right? And it means to rejoice. So out of grace, we're joyful, and out of grace, we praise God. And, we're, and, we're, and we're, we're, we rejoice. That's what I want for our church. I want this place of, of, of joy, of rejoicing and joy. But it, all of it comes out of the gospel. All of it comes out of the grace of God. And then the final thought that I'm going to end with here is, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to turn there for sake of time, but how many know the 11th hour worker is a beautiful example of the kingdom? That's really, that's like, that's kind of, that really makes things super plain because like the 11th hour worker, Jesus said, I'm going to give you a parable that's going to teach you what the kingdom's like. And you know, we see the, 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 the uh, land, the husbandman or the landowner, the guy, the boss, he comes around, he's hiring people and he hires the first hour worker and says, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do what's right and I'm going to pay you one denarius a day, one day's uh, uh, rate of, of pay, day's worth of wages. And so then at the end of the day, and then, then the finally, there's one hour of work left. And he goes out and he hires the 11th hour worker and says, I'm going to pay you what's right. And actually that word in the Greek is the word righteous. We'll probably look at that more next week because I don't have time, but I just want to leave this thought with you. I'll pay you what's right, what's righteous. Uh, Diaco, not dakasune. Dakasune is like righteousness, but this is even pay you what's righteous. I'll pay you what's right. And then so at the end of the day, he's about to give out the payment. 11th hour worker, first shall be last, last shall be first. 11th hour worker comes up first. And he gets a full day's worth of pay. 
And then he, now how many know that the guy that worked an hour and got a full day's wage of pay, how many know that guy has joy? Because that guy knows he received something he didn't earn. So he walks away joyful and with the opinion that the master is a good master or the, the, the boss or whatever, right? The first hour worker comes up like, man, we about to get paid twice as much as these fools. You know, they've only worked in an hour and they get paid the same thing. And so next guy is operating, the, the first hour worker is operating according to a contract. What he could earn what he could deserve, that's what he got. And how many know that the boss honored the contract? He didn't pay him less. He paid him what he owed him. But the first hour worker walked away complaining about the boss. The first hour worker was not enjoying grace. The first hour worker was enjoying what he could earn. And so his heart was not joyful even though he got what he deserved. Y'all tracking me here? See, you can be a first-hour worker in the kingdom, or you can be an 11th-hour worker in the kingdom, and it has no bearing on how long you've been saved. It has everything to do with your attitude. Do you want what you can earn from God? Or do you want what Jesus earned for you? Because if you can get in on what Jesus earned for you, out of a place of gratitude, you're going to have joy. And everything that comes into your life, you're going to be thankful and you're going to give God credit for it. But if you are going to be a first-hour worker and you're going to be in legalism, you're going to be mad and you're going to compare yourself with the people around you and you're going to find fault with the master, you're going to find fault with yourself and your own performance, and you're going to be joyless. How many of you there is a there are droves and droves of joyless Christians? I think it's so sad when I hear people say that they don't want to wait on church people on Sunday because they're mean and they don't tip. I just want to smack somebody in the face. <laughs> I mean, I do. I mean, like that, like that is not who our God is. But yet that's where people are at. They're like, man, I don't want to wait on the church people because they're going to be mean to me. They're going to not tip me, and they're going to leave me a track. They're going to try to corner me and win me to Jesus. I guarantee you, it, I mean, Jesus don't roll like that. Jesus is going to come in there and be a blessing. So, and, 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 and I'm not mad at the Christians. I'm mad at the doctrine the Christians are taught that makes them like that. Because the reason they're like that is they, they're in legalism. They don't understand grace. Anyway, okay. I'm going to shut up. No, I... That's good. That's good. Spoken like a former uh, person in my youth group. <laughs> no, it's good. I love it. I love it. It's good. It's good. It's good. I love it. It's true. I have some announcements. <laughs> but I will not be preaching anymore. <laughs> <laughs> 